Welcome film industry professionals, movie aficionados, and aspiring filmmakers. This is the Cinema Pathway Podcast, brought to you by Paradoxical Films. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Join us on a journey behind the camera, and most importantly, beyond what we know about film and the craft of filmmaking. So sit tight, grab some popcorn and soda, and let's go ride on Cinema Pathway. Welcome listeners to the Cinema Pathway Podcast. The great Norwegian playwright Henrik Ibsen once said, Before I write down one word, I have to have the character in my mind through and through. I must penetrate into the last wrinkle of his soul. Pretty straightforward. Over the last few episodes, we've had a number of great guests that both throughout their career and currently wear multiple hats when it comes to the craft of filmmaking. Uh, Today, we're going to continue with that. Uh, We have someone who really brings a unique background and a perspective that's different from any other guest that we've had uh, previously. He is a playwright and a screenwriter. He is a stage and film producer, a stage and film actor, and among other things, he's also an acting coach. I am pleased to welcome the very talented Yanel Aris to the podcast. Yanel, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yanel, you've accomplished a lot. You've excelled in a number of different areas, both stage and screen. Uh, You hold a degree in theater from Florida A&M University, and I would assume all this started when you were younger. So take us back to where it all started. I have to say, when I started in the theater, it, it wasn't by choice. Uh, I could tell you that. So I was just a young kid, you know, um, age 15, just having fun, just wanting to run the streets, just being a knucklehead in a sense, you know. And and in that, I, I got a chance to to join a, a program during the summer. It's a summer program. And it was a paid gig, you know, because what it was, it was a program for at-risk youth. And so being in the inner city and, you know, both of my parents not really having much, I got pretty much sent to this program that was a theater program. I'm like, I don't want to do no theater program. It's not, I'm, I'm good, you know? And so I get into the program and I just fall in love with it. I'm like, my gosh, you know, like this is a, this is a dope program, you know? And so from there, I realized that I had a passion. And so I was still trying to figure out exactly what it was because I was acting. But even during that particular time, I, I wind up writing, you know, so I was trying to figure it out, but I knew that I, I got bit with the bug and this is what I wanted to do. So after, you know, that program, did that, was that concurrently when you were like in high school? Was that? Yes, actually. So what I, what I started doing is um, right after that particular program, I joined the, uh, the drama club and I started doing um, oratory. And I'm winning contests, you know, they're like uh, first place. And I'm like, wow. And I'm competing at a high level with other students that's been doing it for years. And this is my first year and I'm winning contests. And I'm like, I, I definitely have something special that I need to explore. Okay. And then then you took that on into college? Into college, yes. Uh, Florida a University. Now, I started off at Miami-Dade. Um, I tell a lot of people a lot of times, you know, both of my parents, they're, they're from the island. So literacy, my mom has a, a second grade education. So literacy wasn't too big in, in my home. And um, they wanted me to read, but, you know, being a young guy, I just didn't do it. So um wound up going to Miami-Dade and studied, did some theater there, did some film work there. And then I transferred into uh, University of Florida A&M University. So when you were at Florida AMU, did you do a lot of acting in, in performances? Did you, is that where you started to explore other areas? I started acting there. And I, and I tell you how I... Um, 
how I kind of got bit with the bug, even with writing, was um, when I, I took an acting class thinking, you know, hey, I'm going to get an easy A. I'm like, you know, I'm a great actor. I can, I'll be all right. And I had to take a class in script analysis. And I mean, it, it, it really, it was a really tough class, but I, it opened my eyes and uh, helped me to become a better actor and helped me even as I teach acting now, all the things that I've learned from my script analysis classes, I mean, prepared me to do a lot of great things in that field. Very interesting. Yeah. We, we've talked a lot about educating in the craft and, you know, it doesn't always take place in the classroom. So you're at college, you're acting, you're learning writing, and then, you know, you graduate and then, you know, you continue with theater, if I remember. So then from theater, when and how did you start transitioning to film and other mediums? So I'm going to tell you something. I, um, I started producing in the theater and my only goal, because when I was a young kid, I had a script that I was taking to a, a, a playwright. She was producing this major show at one of the largest venues here in the South Florida area, James L. Knight Center. And I'm trying to get it to her and security guards are like, you know, I'm trying to sneak in just to get her the script and they push me out, you know? And so I make this promise to myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to come here at some point. I will be back. And so I wind up producing a my own production, you know, where I coached all the actors, directed it, produced it. And that was my only dream in life. I was like, okay, I knew I wanted to eventually get into film, but I didn't know at what point. So when I finally accomplished that goal, I was like, okay, well, what else is there to do? Because, you know, I was able to accomplish one of the largest goals I ever had for myself, you know? And funny enough, I wind up becoming that same producer. I wind up becoming a ghostwriter for her years later. So that was interesting. And from that point, I was like, okay, I have to go back and refine my goals because that was my largest goal. So then that's what kind of thrust me into film. I can relate. I, I have a script. I'm trying to get to Mel Brooks and can't seem to get through to him. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. And it, it's really exciting to hear that you were so inspired by and so into theater growing up in South Florida, you know, I'm from New York, Broadway, theater. It's not common for people to get that bug that aren't that are from outside that area or from an area that's not really known for theater. So you've been pretty integral, I think, to maintaining, if not growing theater in South, in South Florida. Yes. And, and I tell people a lot of times that uh, I say theater changed my life. And so as a result of it, I felt like for me, I had to give back and it's something that that drives me, you know? And so that's why I do the things that I do in, in, in the local area. Yeah, it's definitely a common thread that it, it will always be the bedrock, especially for acting on, on that. And even, you know, some, some of the other crafts, especially like set design, you know, I find directing, you know, when I did some directing, you know, the kind of like theater camp type, type of stuff and then moving it into film directing. Yes, it's different, but it's it's the building blocks. I'm going to tell you something. I tell a lot of actors, if you look, just look and you can do your research and all the actors out there do your research. Look at some of these Oscar award winning um, actors, you know, look at the Leonardo DiCaprio's, look at the Denzel Washington's, the Viola Davis. All of them have some level of background in the theater because the training that you get from the theater perspective, like you have um, some Stanislavski. That's one of the methods that I that I teach a lot where he talks about inner, you know, looking at the inner and the inner motivation. And so uh, Meissner technique. So some of these different techniques that you learn in the theater that you can carry on in, into film. And in theater, in a live performance, you only get one take. One take. <laughs> so before you, you know, entered this theater program when you were a teenager, were you into any arts? Were you a movie fan, a TV fan? I, I was definitely a TV fan, a uh, movie fan as well. So, um, 
you know, I was one a kid that I would I would run to the television when I knew this, you know, big movie was coming on or something like that. So I was always into it, but I just never saw myself. I, I guess I could not see myself there, you know. But um, but it was something that I was definitely into. What are some of your inspirations or influences? I would say um, both on the theater side. Let me tell you some on the theater side. I, I love period pieces. Um, so I'm a big fan of like Antigone. I'm a big fan of uh, playwrights like Sophocles. Um, definitely. Um, I love in, uh, on the film side. I'm a Tarantino fan, so uh, <laughs> so I like I like a lot of uh, Tarantino stuff. Um, on the play side, again, uh, William Ostrasimone. He's another playwright that that I that I really like. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think you know I mentioned Broadway before, and I think a lot of people think theater is all musicals. Oh no, no, exactly. And, and especially, I mean, I may sound like like a little bit of a of a theater snob or even a Broadway snob, but like over the last like 15, 20 years, all originality is gone. It seems like now they either rehash either a movie or they take an artist and say, we're going to make his song or his or her song catalog into a show. So going back, it's important. I think that we go back to the classics. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And even on that note, you know, there's some great playwrights who have had mixed success transitioning, you know, uh, Sidney Lumet, David Mamet. I I love David Mamet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with the theater, you get to really focus on dialogue more. So is that something that you've really you know, focused in on? The, the beautiful thing with the theater is, is not just dialogue, but in terms of like characterization. You know, when you think about the characterization piece, you know, the intricacies of the character, because that's what you have to rely on to tell the story. You know, there's so many nuances. There's so many levels and so many layers to character. It's just like with storytelling. And when you learn like playwriting, you know, there's the free tag method. So you have the um, this this concept of this bail or this arch. So characters also have their own arcs. So you see all those dynamics and all those elements happening inside of the character. So you see the character may have a tragic flaw. You see the character start off one way and something happens to like we talk about it, the inciting incident. Something happens to take the character to another uh, direction. And in the audience, we're sitting back saying, okay, in theater, we call this thing the major dramatic question. So MDQ. So the major dramatic question is, will the character get what he or she wants? So every character has an objective and then there are conflicts. There, You know, drama is a series of conflicts. So the audience is sitting back and saying, hey, will the character get what he or she wants? So we get a chance to go on this journey with the character, see the character's arcs, much like we would do with the story. And so that's why I think that concept and that dynamics is, is, is great. We talk a lot on here about the, uh, especially the hero's journey. You know, we talk about Star Wars comes up a lot in our conversation. Really, Star Wars was really the archetype, you know, at least of the modern cinema. But really, that idea goes back to Roman times. Following that, what are, what are some of, you know, you mentioned a couple of the classics, but as some, if somebody really wants to learn about pure theater, what are some of the plays you, you think someone should read? I definitely think that they should go look at a lot of uh, Greek theater. Um, so you have playwrights like Sophocles, Euripides, you know, uh, plays like Medea. A lot of people hear Medea and they think just what Tyler's done, but Medea is actually a play that's, you know, in Greek theater. Um, Antigone is one of my plays. I love Antigone. So um, William Shakespeare. Shakespeare has a lot of great, great uh, material, you know, Romeo, Juliet, Hamlet. You know, I think a lot of those, uh, a lot of that is great. Also, um, uh, August Wilson. I'm a big August Wilson fan. He's, he's an amazing writer. 
Um, and August is one of the ones that he, a lot of his material has gone over to uh, film as well. You know, we mentioned Mehmet, Sidney Lumet, Aaron Short. Are there any other modern playwrights? David Mammoth is uh, William Ostrasimo. There's a guy named William Ostrasimo, and he has a play called Extremities. It was been on Broadway. Um, there is a, a playwright named Katori Hall. Um, she's been doing her her thing as well, and and just a couple of other people. I actually like Lin Manuel as well, so I, I'm a big Hamilton fan. I wasn't a big uh, musical theater fan, but uh, I've I've had to direct a couple of them, so I'm getting there. Do you see you know students? Is there still a passion for theater, or are they really looking at theater as something they have to do to get the film? There is a passion. There's still a passion for theater. Um, I've worked with students that that's all they want to do. They want to just stay there in the theater. But um, I think that film is a level of matriculation, like nothing to theater because I come from the theater. But like I told, I shared with you before, you know, I felt like there was a cap. There was nowhere else I can go. You have Broadway. You have a lot of those different things. But I, I just think that with mo- with film, you have an opportunity to express yourself and reach a, a, a larger audience. We talk about film, but there's also commercial work. There's a lot of content creation. You mentioned Stanislavski, different different methods. Quite a bit of talk. It always sees a pop up about you know method actors. Those that are Succession fans, you know, one of the behind the things, you know, Brian Cox is not a fan of Jeremy Strong method. What like what are your thoughts on method actors that? stay in character off scene, you know, become the character for their lives as opposed to actors who can just like turn it on when they need to and turn it off when, when they have to. So, so my thing is, I believe that even with, when we talk about even those actors that turn it off and turn it on, a lot of the work is done prior to them getting on set. And it's, uh, I tell a lot of actors, you get some actors that's like, you know, give me the script. I'm going to go on there and I'm going to kill it. And believe it or not, I'm able to kind of see through it and say, you know, you, you really haven't prepared. You know, I'm a big, I'm a firm believer in seed time and harvest. It's the preparation that goes in prior to. I tell the actors, when you, whenever you get a script, what is the first thing you do? As an actor, I say acting is 80% psychology, 20% mechanics. You got to get to work on the psychology aspect. And some of those great actors, they understand the techniques. So some of these um, method acting, it teaches you some of the concepts of like techniques. So you look at a Stanislavski, he talks talks about that he felt his a lot of his work is on the inner inner motivation and going deeper and deeper and peeling those layers because like I said it's it's more of the psychology aspect after all if I said Howie I need you to become someone else you know why would I approach it any other way it's it's the psychology of a person and you think about the character and and the who the character is and the character socioeconomic background, you know, culture, the time that the character is growing up and all these different things affects the character. And that's the work that has to be done prior to you getting on set. Should an actor be able to, or let me ask this another way, should the script, whether a, a play or a film, have enough in it for the actor to get everything they need to develop their character? Sometimes it, it doesn't happen that way. And that's what, because I, I believe that everyone brings a certain skill set to the table. And that's the actor's skill set, because the actor's skill set is to take what they have. In theater or in acting, we have something called the given circumstance. And so it's just like reading. So when we go to school and they're like, hey, look at the story and you have to infer. So based on this information, I can say that this is this. And so that's the actor's work. And that's the tool that the actor brings to the table. When he gets the script, his job is to, okay, well, how do I interpret this? You know, like there are certain actors always have, I I call it artistic license. So a story takes, um, happens after something happens. So it, it just picks up somewhere. 
So as the actor, we have to figure out, okay, what is the moment before? What happened prior to? And if it's not stated, it's implied. And how do we know it's implied? We look for we look for what we call motifs. We look for patterns. We look for different things. When I was in college, we were given a script and we had to, we knew nothing about it nothing about it but we had to interpret it like okay well what's going on what's happening so as an actor if i don't understand what's going on and if and it's my job to interpret and to bring the audience into this concept guess what i'm going to confuse the audience as well so what we had to learn my professor gave us a script and he's like okay i need you to analyze it but we didn't have everything you know but what we had to do is we had to look for what we could find which is called the given circumstance as a writer as you know an actor and, and kind of in between um you know, when you've directed, do you find things like character bios, background stories, even like even like a sheet of traits? Yes. Useful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very useful. I, I believe that the more that the writer can provide, the better it is. You know, that may not be the case. So like, let's say you have an actor that that shows up and they have to perform. I don't want them to rely on in a perfect world. It will be great to have all of that, the bio sheet and everything. And I find not that I'm a great actor, but when I have acted, traits is the most important thing. And that's really what I've pulled from more than the background and stuff and and really use that. But again, I think having that, you have such a 360 degree view of characters and all that. It's it's really interesting. And Howie, the thing is, sometimes... And like I said, in a perfect world, because I've been here long, you have as well. Sometimes all of it, it's not there. And so what the what we do in our training is we teach the actors how to find it. How do you find it? Because it's it may not be there on the surface, but there are subtexts that are there that can guide us there. So we look at all the patterns that we can find in there and then we can draw a conclusion. It's a unique thing. Great. We're going to we're going to talk more about coaching actors and getting that out of them. But we're going to take a quick break. But before that, we would like to give a very special thank you to the M2 Productions who are graciously hosting today for this recording. This is Howard Brand with the Cinema Pathway Podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back today. I am joined by Yanel Aris. Something I find fascinating about you is that you're not only a writer and an actor, you're an acting coach. So one thing I really want to get through to our listeners today is dispelling the myth that acting coaches are all unsuccessful actors, actors that that couldn't make it as actors. And uh, I'm a sports guy, among everything else in pop culture. And uh, I related to people, you know, a lot of time the conversation comes up about the great athletes, Wayne Gretzky, Magic Johnson, Ted Williams. They were really not good as coaches. They weren't able to find the same success as coaches as they were as players. And a lot of it is attributed to they can't accept the fact that mere mortals can't do the things they did. And on another note, I just want to relate a quick story. Uh, my older brother, you know, shout out to Rich Brand, uh, played pro hockey, you know, played in the minors. When he gets asked who were the best coaches he ever had, one of the names that comes up is a man named Tom Horvath. Tom couldn't skate. He would coach ice hockey from the bench, but he spent years working for the New York Rangers. He worked in the equipment room. He worked on the bench. And he just absorbed all this hockey knowledge and was able to pass it on to others. So I want to ask you, what really makes an acting coach? Like, like what separates an acting coach from just an actor trying 
to teach other actors. I think that um, I think when you talk about like gifting in a sense that, you know, everyone like you look at a director, director has the ability to see the entire project and they have the skill set and the gifts to kind of make it all come together. And um, you look at the editor. You know, the editor, he's amazing at how he cuts the project. I think what makes me, uh, in terms of an acting coach, I'm an amazing actor. You know, I've been on set. A lot of people are always trying to cast me, but I feel like my gift is better served um, teaching because I could be on set and I'm in the scene and I'm doing the scene, but deep down inside, I want to coach the other actors that I'm looking at. And so when I realized that, I figured out that, you know what, though I like acting, I love coaching. So what kind of person would make a good acting coach? I think the person that has the ability to see the talent, recognize the talent and pull it out of people. So I always tell my actors this. I say, listen, I'm the coach. You're the person with the talent and I'm the person that has the ability to shape the talent. So I, you know, a lot of actors, they come to me and they're like, well, I don't know how to act. I don't, I was like, no, you're bringing something. As long as you bring something, I'm going to bring something. You bring the talent and I'm going to cultivate the talent because that's my gift. I have the ability to see it and I can see it from a holistic perspective. It's almost like um, someone with an aerial view. I can see the total picture where sometimes actors, they see just where they are right now, but I can see the total picture. I can look at an actor and I can say, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. And if you shift this, this, and this, I promise you, you'll get there. So for an acting coach, I, you know, you said the whole picture. So it's voice. I'm sure it's movement. I'm sure it's even like subtle body changes. Yes. Yes. I tell people too. um, yeah, it's move, definitely movement. And, our, and we, we talked about books, right? And one of the things that um, I wanted to, to say is uh, Aristotle, the poetics is a good one, you know, because Aristotle laid out the framework for drama and he talked about the, the elements of drama. So he talked about voice. He talked about movement. He laid out some of these different elements. So the poetics is definitely one. So, you know, I'm an actor and other actors are there. What should they look for in a good acting coach? Definitely someone that has knowledge of the pedagogy. Right. <laughs> That's very important. Um, understanding the knowledge. Um, understanding, having an acting coach that understands, you know, definitely method because, um, I come from that background and, and method because you will find that some methods may not work for this particular actor and it may work for another actor. And you have some actors that may subscribe to this one method and they may not subscribe to the other. So I definitely think that understanding that the concept of I tell people all the time, acting is 80 percent psychology, 20 percent mechanics, understanding how to guide the actor through that particular concept. Script analysis, very big. Um, a lot of actors they they don't focus on the script analysis part. And that's the work that you do prior to getting on set. Do a lot of acting coaches or people who think they can be an acting coach just, hey, students, here's a script, learn it, and we're just going to run through scenes. There, there's a lot that goes goes into it. Matter of fact, before I even give the students a script, one of the things I do is I focus a lot on improvisation. Improv is very important because I have to teach them this concept because you have context versus text. Text is just reading the words, but then context is the meaning of the words. And so a lot of times I focus a lot on improvisation and then, then we start going into more uh, script work. Okay. And you've mentioned Stanislavski, you mentioned Method and Meisner. Can you talk a little bit about what those techniques are, what the differences are, and what some of the other techniques that are there? The thing is, uh, so, so you definitely have the Stanislavski method. Stanislavski focuses a lot on inner motivation. So the idea is 
you know, because we're talking about the idea of psychology and I love, I love Stanislavski in the sense that what happened is because actors have to almost mimic another person. And so when you look at who we are, a lot of the things that we do, a lot of decisions that we make, you know, it's the psychological aspect of, of, you know, who we are. And so what he, his, his work was more focusing on the inner. Why do you make the actors are always making choices. I always tell actors, you have artistic license. Well, why did you make that choice? And going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then once we kind of do that inner research and the idea is that inner is what governs what you do on the outer, you know? And so that's what I like. A lot of Meisner techniques um, hinge on what Stanislavski did. A, A lot of people taking from someone and adding their own. You have uh, Stella Adler, you have uh, Stanislavski, Meisner, and a couple of others. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. And and what, you know, I mean, those are obviously the, the big ones, but are there other lesser known techniques that you find beneficial? Uh, so there's a lady by the name of McCaslin and a lady by the name of Spolin. Spolin was very big with uh, improvisation. McCaslin, her, her strategy and technique was pretty much teaching the adult childlike, how to be childlike because children are vulnerable. And the one thing that we're asking actors to do when they take on a role is to become vulnerable. So I like to use that technique a lot um, to teach more childlike. You know, I'm listening to you kind of describe what an acting coach does and how they help the actor, you know, get into the psychology of the character and understand the character and really build the character. And, you know, I wonder if a lot of people are thinking, well, don't directors do that? So really, like, what what is the difference between what an acting coach does versus really what a director is supposed to do on a set or a for a play. I think um, a lot of times, even when we, especially when you're shooting on set, you know, the director's managing the set in the sense that he's getting the shots, making sure we get the shots, making sure we get a, a lot of that stuff. So a lot of the, the stuff that happens pre-set uh, is what the acting coach would do, helping the, the character go deeper um, into his work, you know? So that's what the acting coach brings to the table, like going deeper. Now you have a lot of directors that have that, because um, they understand you and you would be surprised. You have a lot of directors that have come from the acting world. So those particular directors, they may approach it differently where they may work with the actors, you know, and, and, and have them understand how to go deeper into the character, some of the, the, the various techniques. And it's interesting because I think when we think of the big name directors, at least over the last, you know, Spielberg, Scorsese, Coppola, you know, them, they're, they're not actors at all, but yet they've made these great films and have gotten great performances from that. So, you know, obviously a lot of credit goes to the actors before that. How much does the director influence or should they claim credit for those performances? I think, um, funny enough, you will be surprised that on some sets that there are, like, you have acting coaches, like some actors prefer that their acting coaches are there. So a lot of those actors hire acting coaches. Like I've been on set where I would get hired as an acting coach and I'm there working and prepping the actors prior to the scene. And so the director is there and he's, you know, blocking the shots and getting everything ready. And I'm on the side prepping the actor, making sure that, you know, making sure that they're being able to bring this character to life. And then they come on the scene, they get blocked, the director sees it, and then when he likes it, they, we shoot. Oh, wow. That's really interesting because as, as we all know, film sets can be very territorial, I think is the right. So is that the actor's request to bring the acting coach or is that coming from the producer director side to have an acting coach so the director can focus on more the visual? Sometimes it depends. You have, I have some, some projects that I've been on where they require that they have their acting coach. I've been on projects that I've been on 
that it's been like that. And there's projects where, and when some producers see that and they're like, well, hey, I think that's a great idea. And I think it will help us move through the project more efficiently. So some producers, they would do a lot of that work in pre-production. So they would say, okay, we're going to bring the acting coach in and we'll maybe do pre-production prior to us shooting. And then uh, when the actors get on set, they can just kind of go through it. Something that you said earlier is you can't let ego get in the way. No, absolutely. You know, this is a team sport. And do you find the acting coach is more useful or definitely especially useful when it's period piece or, you know, know, there's dialect coaches, you know, accents, when there's performances that are really kind of outside present day normal? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think what the actor, that the acting coach does is the acting coach helps build context for the character, you know, and, and that's what I was talking about in terms of the, the skill set that the acting coach must have, has to have background in script analysis. How do we look at the script and find what we call the given circumstance and help the actor uh, be able to connect with that. And, and I think back, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and, you know, Marine Corps boot camp, you know, the philosophy is, you know, they want to break you down and rebuild you up. Should somebody, should an actor go into an acting coach kind of expect that, expect, hey, you're going to be broken down and then rebuilt? Yes. <laughs> in a sense, in a sense, yes. Respectively, though. Okay. Can you talk about that? Like, like really why that's important? The idea is, I always tell the actors, their job is to suspend disbelief. Normally, I ask, I ask an actor, I say, well, how old are you? And they say, well, let's say, for example, an actor is 20 years old, right? And I'm saying for in the next hour or two, I'm expecting you to get rid of 20 years of what you know is normal for you. So because you have to take on a new perspective, have to take on a new character, new, something that's totally different from what you know. And so what we have to do is we have to peel those layers of what's norm for you because the world of the script has to become your truth. Actors... I'm sure there's actors out there that's like, you know, I've done this many plays. I've been in this many films and and done this. I'm good. Like, why should an actor use an acting coach? Just like, you know, you have great football players, but those, they, they need coaches. Great football players. Tiger Woods is probably one of the best golfers, but Tiger will tell you he has a coach. So coaches, because like I said, as an acting coach, you see it from a different vantage point. I can see things that you're not seeing because you're in the scene and you're doing it. You're thinking like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm great. But as an acting coach, I'm seeing it from a different perspective, a different lens. I'm seeing what the audience is seeing. You know, and so that's what I think the acting coach. And, and I think a, a lot of parallels, you know, good athletes want to play for good coaches. Good workers want to work for good employees. Good actors want to work for good acting coaches. But as an acting coach, do you see some actors that no matter how much time you put in, no matter how much work, they just don't have it. And how do you how do you deal with that? Do you kind of let them figure it out for themselves or do you just have to have that heart to heart and say, hey. This isn't for you. Um, it depends on who you're dealing with. Um, I, I think my, my approach, uh, I'm a motivator by just just my life. That's just who I am. And I think my, my approach is different. Some people I can have that conversation with. I can have a brutal conversation with that person. And there's some people that I probably can't, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I just, no matter, I, I make suggestions, I try to tell them, but then I kind of let them figure it out themselves. But 99.9% of the time they come back around and they're, they're like, you know what, I thought this this acting thing is not for me. I'm like, yeah, I know. If someone has the ability to let their ego go, can anyone learn how to act? I think so. I think everyone can learn how to act, but there are degrees to it. You know, I've had situations where, because uh, being in, in the film industry and a lot of times it's, 
it's sales, you know, from, you know, so you, you get an artist and an actor or an, or an artist, a, a rap artist who is like streaming. I mean, he's the hottest artist and I've, I've had to come in and prep him for a scene. And I mean, he's never act in his life, but he's, you know, number one on the billboard charts and the movie will make so much money if he's in it. And I've had to coach actors of, of that caliber. And so it took some time. Took some time, but I think we were able to get them to a certain place. Do you have an acting coach that you think back to that really influenced you? Yes. So, um, and I love this guy. So John Pryor, Miami Dade College. Uh, uh, so John, uh, Mr. Pryor taught me a lot. Um, definitely um, uh, Luther Wells, uh, Florida a University was a uh, great coach uh, for me. And just so many, Mr. Davis, uh, he passed away. Mr. Davis um, definitely um, was a great coach for me as well. And are there different, you know, acting coaches geared more towards the stage versus geared more towards the screen? Yes. I found that you have some acting coaches that are geared towards the stage, but then you have those acting coaches that start off in the stage and they veer off into films. So like Leonardo DiCaprio's acting coach, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, he did a lot of theater work but then started to do a lot a lot of film so as actor and an acting coach do you still use an acting coach oh yes yes if i'm gonna go into a project and i'm gonna act in it i'm definitely gonna get me a coach great we're gonna get more into how you practice the craft of an acting coach some of your techniques that you use and uh if we're lucky you may even use me as a student for a little bit but before that we would like to thank two of our partners that helped make this podcast possible cinevideotech who's been a mainstay of the film industry since 1968, providing equipment, support, and training, and ComTV, who offers consulting and production services for a wide range of entertainment. This is Howard Brand. You're listening to the Cinema Pathway Podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back with writer and acting coach Yonel Aris. So we talked about your background. You started as an actor, then got more into writing and other things. How your background as a writer help you as an acting coach? I think that as because I studied more, I studied acting and did a lot of that. I think it helps me in a sense that most of my focus has been characterization in as an acting coach. And so it helped me more on the writing side. So I would say my character um, as an acting coach helped me more on the writing side. Are there characters in either great plays or great films that you're just drawn to? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Who are they? I, well, I love, um, I love what Denzel did with um, um, Remember the Titan, Coach Boom. So when I l- actually studied the study, because I, I love character work. So when I, when I look at like Leonardo DiCaprio, and just some of the work that he did, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, and just other uh, projects that they've done, because I'm, I'm a big fan of seeing these actors do a lot of the character work, you know, that goes into preparing for an actor. We talked about method before. There's always stories about actors who stayed in character throughout, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis is big like that. There's stories of Jared Leto on uh, The Bad, Suicide Squad, Christian Bale yeah. is known for his dramatic yeah. You know, wait, like, is that, I guess the question is, is that all necessary or can, yeah, I mean, I get the physical part, but can a really good actor, even if they're doing method, be able to turn it off and on? I think they can. However, it's very important that they do the prior work. 
you know, because a lot of times, like I said, they worked hard to get to the position where they could turn it on and turn it off. It's just like looking at a Kobe Bryant. You see Kobe Bryant and he, you know, has this amazing game. But what a lot of people don't know is the work that he did prior to the game. So that's what gives him the ability to be able to turn it on and off. So you get a new acting student. And he says, I want to be an actor. Where do you start with them? What's the first question you ask them? Well, uh, the first thing I ask them is, um, as an educator, I always try to find out what the prior knowledge is. So I always say, okay, so what, what, what have you done? What is the prior knowledge? So I know exactly what I'm dealing with, you know, although I'm, I'm still going to take them through a process. So I, I play this game where I try to see, it's kind of like a test. So I test their prior knowledge and see their ability to commit. And so in the game, I said, I want you to zip your lips, lock it and put the key in your pocket. And so they do it. And this works with adults. So they do it. And then I give them um, the rules. I said, "Okay, you cannot talk. You cannot say a sound. So walk around. So they start walking around and I say, "Okay, I need you to um, bark like a dog. And what or I need you to be a dog. I need you to be a cat. So they start barking or they start, you know, saying meow. And I'm like, uh, stop. And so immediately when they stop, they're like, well, what did we do wrong? I said, um, I gave you the rules to the game. You could not talk. One of the things that I saw is I would see is that I would see actors like if they're dogs, but they're walking on two. And I'm like, how many dogs you see walk on two? And I was like, so number one is we have to suspend disbelief. Let's get you to the point where you suspend disbelief. So that's one of the first things that I do. Another thing that I do is I like to focus on improvisation. So improvisation, I would take a character, actors do an improvisation class. So we'll do that. And then after I do improv, we start getting into more of the script work. So um, I, like I said before, acting is 80% psychology, 20% mechanics. So I, on the psychology part, I deal with four things. I call when in doubt, crow it out. So I teach this concept called CROW. So CROW is an acronym. So the C stands for character, the R stands for relationship, the O stands for objective, and the W stands for where. So we do that. So I implement that into the improv. So now they have somewhere to go. So I said, okay, I need you to establish your character. Who is this character? Tell me a little bit about this character. Give me the character's background. Give me the character's socioeconomic background. Where did this character come from? How old is this character? And then um, when they come into the scene with someone, I said, listen, the minute someone walks on stage or walks into the frame with you, there's automatically a relationship that exists, whether you acknowledge it or not. So if you walk into the frame, is it stranger? What's that relationship? We got to establish it. Is it because as a father, I'm going to talk to you different if it's the relationship is father and son than if it's just friends. And then the next thing we talk about is objective. So what is the character's objective? Because if we're just, uh, if I'm just this old man character relationship, I'm an old man that's a grandfather to this young guy. Okay, so what? You know, what's going on? We're just having a conversation. There has to be an objective. But what, what, what is it that I want? Every character has to have something that they want because we can't have conflict without having objectives because conflict is something that stands in the way of, the, of something that the character wants. And then we have the location where. So where is, you know, because that determines, you know, if we're... If, if it's during the wintertime and we're, you know, we're up north somewhere, that's in the scene is happening outside. How are, what's our physiology like? How are we standing? How are we moving into and interacting with our environment? So that's that. And then there is the uh, a mechanical side where I said acting is 80% psychology, 20% mechanics. The mechanics is, you know, being able to take all of that. And now we have to be able to put it to work, the craft. So we talk about uh, vocals. So I do a lot of vocal activities. So one of them happened to be tongue twisters. So uh, because Actors have to be able to articulate because if you're not articulating and I can't hear you, uh, I can't understand 
what you're doing and there's not the quality in the vo- in your vocals, then, you know, it's not coming out pretty right. <laughs> what are, What's uh, one of the tongue twisters you give them? So one of the ones that I do is, um, and if you're my, we'll, we'll do it together. So I do, um, one of them is uh, a big black bug bit a big black bear and the big black bear bled blood. What's to do to do today at a minute or two to two today? A thing distinctly hard to say yet hard still to do. Whether well, the be a tattoo at 20 to two, a rat is that tattoo and a dragon will come when he hears the drum at a minute or two to two today. A sheet I slit, a sheet I slit, and on that slitted sheet I sit. I can Control. remember the first line. I can remember right, so, a, a, so, big, a big black bug. Okay, so the big black bug one, we'll do it together. So you're going to just repeat after me, and in, and in two seconds, you're going to know the whole thing by yourself. So let's try it. So a big black bug. Big black bug. Bit a big black bear. Bit a big black bear. And the big black bear. And the big black bear. Bled blood. Bled blood. All right, so uh, you think you, you can try it yourself? Nope. So, there is a big black bug that bit a big black bear. And after he bit the big black bear, what happened? And the big black bear bled blood. So there was a big black bug that bit a big black bear. And then that big black bear bled blood. All right, so go ahead. A big black bug bit a big black bear and the big black bear Bled black blood. That was good. That was good. That was good. That was good. You got it. See, I told you. And, and that's one of the things that, that we talk about. Like whenever I'm teaching the actors, we talk about context. So I kind of, although it was a tongue twister, it was just a regular tongue twister. And we were just dealing with the vocals, our, our articulation. I was able to teach this concept to you by kind of giving you a little bit of context. I said, there was a big black bug. And what happened? The big black bug did what? He bit a big black bear. And then after he bit the big black bear, then what happened? The big black bear bled blood you see and i think speaking of process like i know i was thinking through it as i was saying it and that's where the repetition comes in because you don't want to be thinking of it you want it to come naturally and so that's good very interesting so they passed the tongue twister test then what comes next we normally do warm-ups so basic warm-ups basic warm-ups and then you do vocal warm-ups so just like a singer would warm up their vocals you have actors that are warm up their vocals so sometimes like i said the behind the scenes stuff that you may not see so you may see a denzel washington behind on set you know and he's doing the necessary work uh an athlete is stretching for the actor their stretching would, would be like hey they're doing their tongue twisters getting their getting their vocals right because they're gonna go on you know this camera's gonna go and they have to um articulate so you have that. When I did my uh, TV studio class and we did a newscast, I was I was doing my Ron Burgundy impression. <laughs> I was sitting there going, how now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? And uh, to my sadness, no one got the reference. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've, they've come in, they, they've done that. Um, you know, going back to a question I asked about, what makes an actor coachable or what makes them uncoachable? I think um, what makes an... I, I heard, and, and you said you were in the Marine Corps? Yes. Okay, so a friend of mine, he said to me, he, he was in the service, he said to me, um, one of the first things that the his his coach did was, he said, have you ever shot a gun before? And he was like, uh, yes, I've shot a gun before. He said, okay, we're going to have a problem. And he was like, well, why? He said, because now I have to unlearn all the mistakes that might have happened. So you have a lot of actors that might have learned the wrong way. And they continue thinking that that, that's the right thing to do. So sometimes I find that that's the most challenging thing. And if if you have that actor that might have learned and they they have the skill set. I heard, um, so Jamie Foxx said he was working with Tarantino. And, you know, he's an actor. He's been doing this for a long time. And when he was doing the Django, um, he said Tarantino walked in there and and just, I mean, ripped him apart. I don't like it. This is not this, this is not that. And he did that for a reason. 
because what he wanted to do is, like you said, break him down all of the bad habits that he already have so that he can be able to play this particular role. So I think that number one, that that would be the thing, you know, being able to, I find that when they, they come in there humble, humble and hungry, mm-hmm. humble and hungry. I think that's that. That's what uh, a, a great actor needs. I listened to an editor, you know, speak of a presentation the other day and, you know, he talked about what he looks for in assistant editors. And, and he actually said, you know, I want them as green as possible because I want to teach them my way. I don't want to have to unteach. So if an actor in your class ever says, you know, well, my, my other acting coach said this, or my teacher said this, oh, does yeah, that just yeah, make your yeah, blood yeah. boil? And you know, sometimes I, I work with, I work with a lot of actors who've been doing it for a long time. One of the things that I do is I allow them to see their mistakes. So I let them do it their way. So I'm like, okay, can I had an actor? I mean, he's, an, he's amazing. And I had to tell him, I stopped him. I said, let me tell you something. I just want to let you know that you are an amazing actor. You are an amazing actor, which is great. But I said, the problem is that because you're such an amazing actor, what I'm getting from you is caricature. Like you're acting and acting. So I'm like, let go, let go, learn to let go. I got you. You're great. You're amazing. Because a lot of times what you find is with, with actors, they want to prove to you that they can do the work, that they're capable. It's really interesting you mentioned caricatures and and not to get us too off topic. You know, you're you're a black man. I'm a white Jewish guy. I have seen more TV shows that have those characters and I'm like, these aren't characters. They're just portraying caricatures and it it seems to be getting worse and worse. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of who should play what characters. You know, do you have actors come to you with, they want me to play this character and I just, I can't because I'm not such and such. You you know, if they came up to me and they want me to play Othello, I can't play Othello. I'm I'm a white guy. You know, how how do you like, like help them break through that? That's that's good because I think when I do talk to the actors is that um I, I understand the, the business side, you know, because ultimately there's an art side and there's a business side. And so that's how I kind of help them understand that 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 particular concept, you know, because that, that's what it is. I mean, we're we're in it. It depends on what side you're on, because you have some actors like this is who they are, that this is the the artsy side. And then you have some that's like, I want to make money. And so it depends on who, who we're, you know, what side you want to be on. So it's like, okay, if you want to make money and you're like, hey, these are the roles I'm getting cast for, this is what's kind of coming to me, then I would say just go there. So as an acting coach, when you write, you know, also having been an actor, do you think about, you know, obviously, you know, male or female, you know, now, you know, working non-binary ca- characters in age, but do you specify ethnicity or race or do you really you know try to leave that open for that or it depends on the story it depends on the story yeah it depends on the story there are some stories that have to be told a certain way and there are some stories that it it depends on the story can you give some examples so like let's say hypothetically like if it's you know if we're doing a period piece or we're doing a piece where it's a um, a biopic and it's about you know, this particular character and there are specific things that happen in this character's life and all of that helps in terms of the context, then we kind of have to go that way. Yeah. It's, it's really hard because I think filmmakers want to tell, you know, the story honestly and realistically, but like you said, it's a business and you have audiences and demographics and, you know, you kind of have to, I don't want to say the word pander, but you have to, I I guess, give the people what they want. Exactly. But there's those like, like when you look at some of the, the, 
the old stuff, like a lot of Sophocles and, and some of that material. I did Antigone as a black man, you know? So, so yes. When you talk about the classics, have you ever done, you know, either Greek or, you know, Roman plays, like with the masks, like doing it as, as they used to? I didn't. I haven't, no. Yeah. I, I find, you know, as an actor, like the costume, makeup, even like a prop helps so much. Get into a character. I was in, in a film recently and, you know, a scene and, and I'm like, I just, I feel like I need something in my hands yes. to do it. And yes. so, and it goes to what we talked about earlier that it's so much more than just learning lines yes. and an actor has to think about a lot of different things. Yes. Like we talked about context, you know, like you look at a Denzel Washington, like remember the Titans, you know, he actually put himself in that position because I, I like we were talking earlier, the actor has to have a real place to draw from. And um, I'm not a big fan of, okay, look into your past experience and draw from there. Because I feel like if you're doing that, then the character doesn't come out. It's more of you. So it's like put the actor in the position. So like what you're talking about, that's why the set and everything, all of that, you know, thrust yourself in there and draw from all the lo those experiences. Because we're recreating that experience. After all, if we're trying to convince the audience that's that, if the actor's not convinced, that it's that, then I think that it creates a real problem. I don't know if it's the apex of what actors want, but I think a lot of actors, the one thing they want to be able to do is cry on cue. How do you teach that? It's a lot of different techniques, techniques for that. A lot of that happens in the pre-work. I'm telling you, it, it really does. It happens in a pre-work. People think that, oh yeah, he cries on the dime, but there's a lot of work that happened prior to. Well, and like you said, you know, you don't like thinking back to a memory, but I read and have seen a lot, you know, who think back to, you know, a death of a relative, a sad moment in their lives. Yeah. So, you know, I come to you. It's just my, my philosophy. You know, I think that's a, you're cheating in a sense, you know, because I think there are so many other ways to get to that point. There's so many other ways. And I think that the actor is not really truly committing to the character. And for some reason or another, they, they're not connecting with the pain of that character. Maybe it's, you know, I don't want to go that far. I don't want to go that deep. Because the same experience that made you cry there, if you're this actor and you're having this experience, it should make you cry because that's, that's what it is, you know? Do you have either a, uh, I know it's not hard to, to, to say a favorite student. I was like picking a favorite child. Do you have any stories of students that just like got it? Like I've really done my job. Like I really helped get through. I have quite a, a bit of them. I had a young student named Nyla and cast her in a production and um, I watched her grow. She's out there doing her thing right now. So she's definitely one. Another student named Johnny. I, I mean, quite a few. Uh, Johnny Walker. It's a great name. <laughs> yeah. How many uh, How many Scotch jokes does he get? Oh, he gets a, a lot. And you say, you know, you teach children, you teach adults. What's your favorite age group to teach? You know, funny enough, I'm going to tell the story a lot. Um, I never thought I would teach children. I was like, how am I going to teach children how to act? How am I going to, you know, because I got to, you know, get their, their attention span and this and this. How am I going to do it? But it was the greatest experience for me because it taught me how to teach adults. Because I used the concepts that I used to teach the children to teach adults. I teach the adults childlike, you know? I have a soft spot in my heart for anyone who teaches or educates future actors, future filmmakers. We're, uh, we're going to take one more quick break and we'll be right back to conclude this episode. To our listeners, if you enjoy listening to our podcast, please support us by subscribing to the Cinema Pathway Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and giving us a rating and then head over to our online store at paradoxicalfilms.com 
forward slash shop where you can purchase Cinema Pathway gear, including t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. Last of all, be sure to also follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for behind the scenes photos and more. We'll be right back. I'm Howard Brand, and we are talking today with Yonel Aris. So we've talked a lot about what you have done, uh, but I know uh, you had mentioned to me off camera, off off microphone, that there is a current project you're working on that you're very excited about. Uh, can you share that with our listeners? So the uh, the project is called Mr. Wrong. Uh, so with my partner, Marco Mall and the Florida Film House team, we, we were able to do that. Mr. Wrong actually was a play that we actually turned into a film, and the play sold out, and um and Mr. Wrong is actually based on a true story. So uh, a lot of my style is more realism, um, which I'm going to veer off and start doing a lot more, but it's more realism. So it's it's a story about a, a young lady, good girl. You know, it's a faith-based film. Good girl uh, falls in love with this bad boy, you know, true story. And um, what happens is that um, she, she gets locked up. I'm not going to give you guys the full story, but she gets locked up, but then she has to make a decision as this, uh, after something major happens in her life. And this decision will either preserve the rest of what she has left or will get her to the point where she loses everything. So Mr. Wrong Chronicles of a Phenomenal Woman. Interesting. You say realism. How do you define realism? So for me, when I say realism, it's more of a... Um, I would say fiction from nonfiction. So when I say realism, it's just a, it's a, based on a true story that's more real, more something that's actually currently going on. Present day. Present day, pretty much, yeah. And you had said that, you know, with your coaching, that there's also some things you wanted to explore. Yes, absolutely. So um, I, I do a lot of writing because of the coaching, because I was very big on characterization, very big on script analysis, very big on that. So I, when I started writing, that was something that I was able to draw from everything that I do. And all the actors, I trained them. I, I got a chance to coach them in the scenes and stuff like that. So that was pretty good because I was, although I wrote it, I was the acting coach on set. I didn't direct it, but I was the acting coach on set. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? You know, um, honestly, people always ask Denzel, they say, Denzel, what's your, your best project? He said, my next one. And um, I see myself definitely um, getting some type of award because I'm going to start writing more of the artsy stuff. I'm going to okay. get, get in tune with my art side because it's definitely there. Um, I want to have a school. Definitely want to have a school because I feel like I want to be able to give back an acting school where, you know, where people can actually have a location where they can come to. And um, a book, a best-selling book. Uh, so author... Uh, philanthropist, um, definitely a f filmmaker, writer, producer, definitely producing. That's that's something that I, I definitely want to do in um, writing books. Yeah. Renaissance man. Yeah. Renaissance man. <laughs> I get bored very fast, so I, I, I have to keep moving. If you can give your younger self any advice, what would it be? Take more risk younger. I think that I, I took a lot of my risk when I got older. And um, I did that when I, I settled. You know, many of us, you know, you, you go into a career that you really don't like because they say there's no money in the arts, you know, and you're, whole, you're doing your side job and you're not taking as much risk. But I, I would tell my younger self, take more risk, dream bigger. Do you ever get approached by 
actors who want to become acting coaches and take them on as like an apprentice? You know, funny enough, I, I don't think I've ever got anyone that because more people want to be in front of the screen than behind the scene. I'm talking about actors. Uh, yeah. Uh, front more than the in back. But I've, I, I do have one student that's like, um, you know, he's like, I'm paying my dues. And then he's like, um, I've paid my dues so I can coach now. So it's, it's pretty funny to see him, the Johnny Walker, the student I was talking about. However, he did do that. So he was kind of like my help. And he coached some students because I took some students to a competition, coached those students, and those students uh, wind up winning first place. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you, you know, you've done, aside from acting coaching, you've done a lot of teaching. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Great, great experience. So I, I, I taught acting for about 14 or 15 years. I taught in the uh, Broward County school board system. Um, I um, also did a lot of like college courses. I've taught a lot at um, a lot of film festivals. I've done a lot of seminars, uh, taught other educators how to teach acting. Um, I used to do teach reading using uh, Tableau, a concept called Tableau. So I would teach um, just regular teachers how to bring acting into the classroom and how to infuse that with the core curriculum. So how would you define the difference between teaching acting and being an acting coach? Good question. <laughs> I had to think about that one. Teaching acting and being an acting coach. I think um, being an acting coach is almost like when you think about a mentor, right? You think about a student just going to a class. There's a difference between sitting in a course and being and actually having a mentor. So the mentor is sitting there. If I'm teaching the course, it's more of a basic overview and I'm teaching concepts and theory. And, you know, there is there's some practice. But I think with coaching, it's a little bit more unique to the individual, you know, because everyone is different. How I may approach teaching you may be different than how, my, how I may approach teaching a, another student. So it's more tailored to the individual. Do you prefer one over the other? It all depends. It all depends. I do like acting coaching only because I get to see um, I get to see the growth because I'm there the entire time. Um, I think it's the most rewarding, not just for me, but for the actor as well, because um, as a as a coach, I show them where they are and where they they could be. And sometimes the hardest thing for actors, actors beat themselves up a lot. You know, they're very critical and very tough on themselves. And my job is to not only uh, show them, you know, like you're, you're good, but you have the ability to be great. So just, um, listen, follow what I'm telling you. And we're going to get you to the point where you're great. Trust the process. Trust the process. Yeah. Mentioned earlier, you know, like theater plays, seems like everybody wants to get to New York film. Everybody wants to get to Hollywood or, or Georgia now, or New York. What, you know, what's your future geographical Plans. You know what? Right now, uh, funny enough, my wife and I, we're like, okay, you know, we're going to be based in South Florida, but we're definitely going to have homes in Atlanta, New York, New Orleans and stuff like that. But we're, we're doing great things here. I think there's a lot of great talent here. A lot of people are doing great things. Shout out to Florida Film House. Shout out to a lot of other filmmakers, local filmmakers here that are doing great things. So I definitely think that we're, and I'm that person that like to defy odds where people are saying, well, it can happen. You know, I believe that it can. Like right now, the film that we're talking about, you know, we have, we're on Tubi right now. And we're, we're currently trending and um, I'm excited about it where it's on Tubi now and it's it's doing what it has to do is trending. And, and so I think that there's great opportunity here. And um, 
before I leave, I would rather be here and, and maximize the opportunities here. So what advice would you give to either, you know, a filmmaker, an actor, either stage or film, or, you know, a writer who's like, you know, everyone always tells me if I want to be successful, I got to get out of Florida, got to get out of South Florida, you know, got to go to Hollywood, got to go to New York. What, what would you tell them to convince them to stay here? I would tell them there, there is something called um, never. I don't know if you've ever heard of a book called The Blue Ocean. So there's a blue ocean, red ocean strategy. So right now um, there's opportunity. There's there, there's opportunity. I would say be here because think about it. So if you're here and you're shining, you're it's not super crowded. You know, you go to L.A., it's it's very crowded. You go to Atlanta, it's very crowded. You know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And let's reverse that question. If someone, you know, a Hollywood producer or a New York producer, and they want to film a Florida-based show or series, a lot of them aren't being filmed in Florida. You know, they're going to other places. What what would you tell them to try to convince them to come here? I definitely would tell them um, because a lot of times, a lot of that on the business side is, you know, film incentives and we can, you know, I would say uh, definitely build relationships with um, local programs so that you can help underwrite your costs, you know, so there are local programs, local youth programs, local programs all around, you know, build relationships because um, you can pretty much, because the biggest thing is cost. What is it? What it's costing you. And I think through those partnerships, leveraging those partnerships, leveraging what you're doing with certain organizations, I think that will help underwrite the cost and get an opportunity to take advantage of the great talent that's here, the great weather that's here, the great scenery that's here. And you mentioned organizations. Are there any organizations or causes that are very near and dear to you that you want to give, give a, a shout, shout out, out to, to the or First Take about? program? Um, the First Take program is a youth program that um, I was very fortunate to work with, co-found uh, alongside Florida Film House. Marco Mall, uh, Blagi. The first take program, what it just what it is, you know, a first take, you know, so it, where students get an opportunity to learn um, life skills, but using the medium of film, so they get a chance to learn, you know, um, communication skills. They get a chance to learn problem solving skills. They get a chance to learn. Um, working as a team, team building, and doing it uh, while learning uh, film. What ages? So right now, when we first started, we, we were working with uh, more of the middle school, high school. Uh, again, just like me, how I was working, I, I did an at-risk youth yeah. program. So this is uh, an at-risk youth program where we where we work with uh, students in the inner city and very, very talented. And do they, I mean, do they shoot on their iPhone? Do you have equipment? We have equipment that we do have. So they get a chance to, to shoot their own films, uh, tell their own stories. Um, and, and a lot of their, their movies, they get to air them on at the film festivals. So I believe, yeah, we've done um, the Urban Film Festival, American Black Film Festival. So some of these different film festivals, yeah. Does the equipment come from donations are you looking for donations for equipment or how can i mean we how can people support we'll support this program it sounds great we we'll always take donations <laughs> no but but we're we're a boutique film company um florida film house a group of young individuals that are very hungry and what happens is for about a week uh we have local filmmakers that dedicate their time to give back so we have uh some uh dp some editors that, that for that week uh we do spring break sometimes we do a summer session and so if, if you are a film filmmaker and you're looking for an opportunity just to give back, you know, uh, donate, you can donate some of your time. I think that right there will pay great dividends for our, for our students. Yeah. And you mentioned you're a black filmmaker where there's always a lot of talk, you know, diversity representation, you know, especially during award season, you know, we've had uh, women filmmakers 
that talk about the challenges they face um, as a black filmmaker. Do you find you're still facing challenges that you're still being a little, maybe even trying to be typecasted into specific roles? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even more so, another layer to that, I'm, I'm a Haitian American, you know, so black uh, filmmaker. So uh, definitely. So that I do see that there are those limitations and there are some of those, like like you would say. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word fight or combating it, but how are you trying to get away from that or disprove that or make the people that continue to typecast just more aware of what they're doing and get them to think beyond it? I think what it is, is, um, I'm focusing more on, like you said, the process, because I, I believe that at some point I don't spend too much of my attention trying to change perspectives or trying to change certain norms. I just kind of I don't want to say stay in my lane in a sense, but I, I just kind of like write and projects that are true to where I come from. And um, I'm actually starting there because I feel like uh, the barrier of entry is low. And so I'm just there. I'm getting in and I'm doing what I need to do. And while I'm here and I'm working and I'm doing what I need to do, once I have the platform, I think that I'm able to now start having those courageous conversations to see if we can kind of change the narrative. And I think you having the power of the pen is very important. We mentioned caricatures and it's so easy. And and I don't want to mention specific shows, but still, you know, you watch TV and, you know, Latinos and Hispanics always tend to be blue collar, you know, workers, you know, you know, like, like you said, black actors that I'm Jewish, they're always perceived as cheap. I think everyone, you know, can take a cue to start doing better. But again, it's, it's a shame because it's business. And that's what I was going to say. It's, yeah, it's the business side. It's the business side. Yeah. Yeah. So those conversations are important. You mentioned one of your films is on Tubi. Where else and what else can our listeners see of your work and where? So uh, definitely uh, follow us on uh, um, Florida Film House. So if you go to our website, www.floridafilmhouse.com. So uh, you're able, we're actually, we have a slate of about 10 to 15 films that we're going to be uh, putting out. So uh, we're in the process of uh, four of them already canned. Uh, so Miami Love Story, um, uh, realgoons.com. So a lot of our content right now, we have a lot of urban content that we've been able to put out um, because we have a large urban base. And so, like you said, you know, we're talking about the business side of it. So because uh, we definitely have that urban base, um, I, I come from doing a lot of plays. So we've been able to build a, a base of, we have a database of six to 7,000 people through the years of just working, 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 working. We've done productions that have, attracted like four or five thousand people so we've been speaking to that audience because we kind of know from the years of doing the projects we know exactly what they want and so we've been trying to continue giving that to them and at the same time looking for ways to kind of grow so definitely follow us at florida film house uh my ig uh yanel aris so that's y-o-n-e-l a-R-I-S. I'm looking to change it to make it easier because I'm always having to spell it for everyone. But that's that. You definitely can, can find me there. And uh, my production company is called Ya Productions, Y-A Productions. So I am a uh, partner with uh, Florida Film House. And can our listeners, if they want to message you on Instagram? Yes, yes. Again, yeah, definitely, definitely. Any questions, whatever you, you have, you can. And something to, just occurred to me and uh, popped into my head. Uh, you know, go, again, talking about, you know, being a black filmmaker, do people also underestimate your theater knowledge? Like, 
the knowledge you have of plays. You're one of the most knowledgeable people about that stuff I've ever met. How hard has it been to overcome that? You know, it's it, it, it has been a challenge. So I'm going to tell you something. So la- like I said, last week I was at, uh, two weeks ago, I was at Florida A&M University. So I did a rewrite for um, Romeo and Juliet. So we set Romeo and Juliet in Miami. And it was, I mean, it was great. You know, it was nice urban. We we gave it some flavor and it was nice. And so when I stood up and it was like, this is the writer, you know? And and I could see that some, you know, other people in the audience was like, uh, it is? he wrote that? You know, you see this young guy, black guy tattoos and, you know, I look, look cool. And I got my hat on. I got, you know, my Jordans on. So it's like, you actually wrote that, you know? And so it's it's always it's fascinating to, to see that, you know? <laughs> yeah, if, if it makes you feel better, you know, I mentioned I was in the Marine Corps and usually when I tell people that, they're like, you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, don't I look like a green amphibious killer? Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you, that that's something that I wanted to bring back because that's what drew me to the theater. Because, I, I you know, in all honesty, I, I just didn't think there were cool guys in the theater, you know? And so when uh, my instructor was cool and I was like, okay, you know, I, I think I could do this. And so um, as when, whenever I teach my acting classes and if I'm teaching the theater course, I try to keep the swag, you know? So last question, somebody gives you a ticket to go see... One of your favorite films, somebody gives you a ticket to go see your favorite play. They're both at the same day, same time. It's like Sophie's Choice. I'm probably going to go see my favorite play. And the reason why is because I know with film, I'm going to be able to see it. But the play, I'm limited on what I'm going to be able to see. Well, what if this was 20 years ago before streaming, back when we were kids? I'm going to go see my favorite film. <laughs> <laughs> it, and, 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 you know, that, that's maybe a topic for another time. But it, it's interesting how that's changed, yeah. you know, with, yeah. with the streaming and all that. This has been great. You know, this has been so informative, so fun. The Ton Quisters, you know, learning about the different actors. We, uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck. I'm excited to learn more about you. We are happy to welcome you back on the podcast anytime so we can continue these discussions and uh to our listeners i hope you get as much out of this episode as i did thank you thank you thank you guys thank you for having me i thoroughly enjoyed myself i had a lot of fun a lot of fun thank you so much great thanks again and thanks to our listeners to our listeners thank you again for joining us on the cinema pathway podcast today i'm your host howard brand our director is miguel miller our producer is juliette desan along with associate producer victor ferreira and executive producer freddie r rodriguez this has been a presentation of Paradoxical Films. Please visit our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com for more information about today's podcast. You can also email us at cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com where you can send any comments, suggestions, or feedback for future episodes. Be sure to subscribe to the Cinema Pathway podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to join us for our next episode where we will continue to talk about the craft of filmmaking right here on the Cinema Pathway podcast. This is the Cinema Pathway podcast. We'll see you next time. Lights out.